Hey, New Life. Today's gonna be a good day. We're about to jump in the Word and talk about the topic of the type of person that God uses. We're actually gonna hear from my big brother, Hunter Bezet, and this is proof that God, He can use any type of person. And so I just want you to talk to yourself, do a self-assessment right now. Do you feel like you're the type of person that God uses? Maybe you are, maybe you don't feel like you are. Well, today we're gonna give you the tools really the, the real life examples and scriptural examples on how God can use you and really how I believe he wants to use you as well. But before we get into this uh, word today that's gonna equip us, we're about to worship. And I came across a scripture that I wanna read to you guys. Uh, this just, to me, explains to me what worship is. And I know that when we come into worship with a little more understanding of what it is, it always helps. And so Psalm 103 says this, praise the Lord my soul. That's what worship is, worship the Lord. Oh, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is where it gets cool right here. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Look, whenever we go into worship, whenever we grow closer to the Father, we can expect him to do a few things for us. Number one, he forgives all of our sins, and I know that we all need that. Number two, he has the power to heal us emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually. Number three, he redeems our life from destruction. Number four, he gives us back joy, love, and compassion. And number five, he satisfies us with good things. Man, don't we have a good God? Today we get to the opportunity to worship him, to come before him. And also after the message, we're gonna take communion together as a church. So I just wanted to tell you that so that you can use this time to um, go get some grape juice from the fridge, a little piece of bread, a cracker, and in the end, we're gonna have a cool moment remembering all that Jesus has done for us. But let's worship his name right now. With a broken heart, you picked me up. Now I'm set apart from the ash. I am born again, forever saved in the Savior's hands. You are more than my words could say. I'll follow you, Lord, for all my days. I fix my eyes, following your ways. Forever free in an ending grace. Yeah. 
What's going on, New Life Church? I hope everyone has been enjoying this wisdom series. We've been in it for a few weeks now, and today I would really like to jump into this thing right away with you. And it comes from this inspiration uh, that I've seen with David. Uh, it's actually in 1 Samuel, but also in what I see evident in David's life in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11, when it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. So the Lord grants favor and honor, and he does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Look, while we all have gifts, and we also all have value uh, socially and relationally, uh, if you will, God has laid out what I believe is a specific plan for all of us to live, the type of person that God uses, if you will. And if you find yourself constantly running into battle after battle, having a hard time falling in love with the Word of God and the deity of God, then you may be struggling just a little bit with the type of person that God wants to use. I heard this analogy recently, and uh, somebody told me that the fog like if you ever walk out of your front door and you see all the fog that can engulf an entire block, almost makes it impossible for you to drive that morning to work. All of that fog, if you took it all down and you condensed it all down, it wouldn't fill up any more than a half a cup of water. It's just spread out. And for some of you, your problems have spread out so much that it has consumed your whole life and has become a spiritual fog over your life when the reality is it's just a half a cup of problems <laughs> it's just a little bit of stuff going on in your life that if you can figure out the type of person that god wants you to be all of a sudden things will be will be able to become clear god wants to use his people and the only one that can disqualify you is yourself you know, but we like to disqualify people based on outward appearances all the time. Like when dating, we tend to do it. Uh, when picking our friends, even when we were really young, we tend to pick people differently based on their outward looks. But God doesn't do that. God looks on the inside and he looks at the true type of person you are. You look at how Jesus decided to use someone who cussed a little bit in Peter. You look how God used someone who was depressed and suicidal in Elijah. We look and see how God used a young, unmarried virgin in Mary to be the mother of Jesus. We look and see that he used an emotionally challenged teenager, teenager in Jeremiah and even a barren, seemingly forgotten wife of over 70 in Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Look, God obviously doesn't look on the outside. But I think that even in all of these people that I just listed in their different ages, their different backgrounds, that there is a type of person that God is roaming the earth searching for to use. No matter what his calling is, no matter how different we may be, if we have these qualities, he's going to use this. And so in 1 Samuel 16, verses 17 through 18, I want to share this passage with you because this is something I've read a bunch before, but I feel like God showed me the type of person. And this is ultimately what I'm going to talk about to you today. So go to the scripture with me and let's read this together. Uh, chapter 16, verse 17. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. 
And he is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message today. Lord, that no matter where a person may be that is listening to this message, Father, that your word would find where they are and you would be able to teach them and speak to them uh, during this time. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living. Uh, Father, I thank you that you are constantly teaching new things to us, even in this passage of Scripture that I have read so many times. Lord, you are continually teaching me new things every day. Lord, we love you. We give this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Two things that I really want to point out to you from this passage of Scripture about David. Uh, The first one is this. David's resume... It didn't matter. When God's calling is on you, the only one with disqualifying excuses is you. I've said this before, but let's think about the naivety of that. Like We are called by the Creator, and then we turn around and say things as naive as no one gives me a shot, or I don't have time for that, or I don't work well with that person, so I can't do that, or I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too damaged, or I'm the wrong race, or the wrong sex. We disqualify ourselves when God is saying, look, I want to qualify you. Your resume doesn't matter when God's trying to use you. And the second thing that we do uh, to disqualify ourselves is we blame our skill level. Look, I'm just not that good at leading people yet. I can't do that big thing that God's given me a dream for. Or I'm just not as good as so-and-so, so there's no way I will ever be able to do that. Look, Your skill level has nothing to do with the qualifier of God calling you in your life. He doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the inside of who you are. Because the only thing that they said about his skill to play the liar was that he could play. Think about that. How were they so confident that he was the right choice? Well, he was the type of person that God uses. And this is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. Because once we get the calling of God on our lives, we must focus on being the type of person that God wants to use. I want to go back into uh, this scripture when it says that David was a brave man and a warrior, that he spoke well and he was a fine looking man and that the Lord was with him. The first thing that I want to point out to you and the type of person that God uses is humility. God doesn't need a lot to do a lot. And when we are humble, God wants to use you. You know, that last line of that scripture says, and the Lord was with him. I think that that symbolizes humility. And I spoke a whole message recently on how to battle pride. Um, with humility. Uh, If you want to, you can go back and you can look at that, or you can find any one of, I'm sure, hundreds or thousands of sermons on being humble. But what I do want to say to you and to remind you from that message is just a couple of things. Number one, God doesn't reside in prideful people. He only uses humble people. So what are you prideful about that you need to lay down? What do you think to yourself? You know, I got this. I'm okay. And you don't think you need any help on. Maybe you need to ask some people around you what area of your life that is. 
because God never used people without the quality of humility. And he never used those same people when they lost that quality. He wants to use a humble person. Where are you humble in your life and where are you a little prideful? Besides humility, which I can speak a whole message on, I think that there were three other things that Saul's attendants, Saul and David, that they desperately wanted to get around Saul. Which brings me to point number two, David's faith. Back into the scripture, it says that he was a brave man and a warrior. Right there when it said that David was a brave man, what I think it's talking about was he had a faith. He had a faith in who his God was. He knew something needed to happen and he was going to do something about it. There was no questioning David's faith. And I believe that in this life as Christians, you and I, we have to get bravery right. There is way too much weakness and meekness in this world. And there needs to be real, courageous, brave people. Katie and I are watching this show called Alone. And we love watching it because you have all of these different types of personalities and people that come together on the show. And you have some people who are really courageous going into it, talking about wrestling a grizzly bear and how that there's no way they're ever going to back out. But then the first night they're sitting there and they're starting to hear all of these noises. And you have some people who want to get really small in their sleeping bags. And you have some people who hear a noise and charge out of their tent in their underwear, ready to attack a grizzly bear. You have people who are actually brave and people who just think they're brave. Because real bravery means that you see something, you are not afraid, and you are going to do something about it. You don't just stop at seeing the need. Let me give you this very obscure verse that I think every man uh, listening to me is going to love. And it's found in Judges chapter 3. Verse 31, it says, After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat, and he too saved Israel. Look, this is a very short verse that we can easily uh, skip over, but let me give you a little bit of context for it. Shamgar, uh, is this the only spot in the whole Bible that he is mentioned? And he takes an ox goat. If you don't know what an ox goat is, it's a long staff, if you will, with a blade on one end and a pointy bit on the other end. And what I, what I love about Shamgar is Shamgar did what every man's done when working out in the yard. Uh, he looked down at the tools in his hands and he said, you know what? If God wanted me to, I could kill somebody with this. <laughs> He looked down at this ox goat and then God shows up and he actually calls him to go out and to defend the nation of Israel. Here's what I want you to get from this. God can take whatever is in your hands and he can solve 600 problems with it. He can use what you have to effect change in the church and in your life. You just got to give it to him. God's ready to use you. Are you going to be brave enough to rush at and to run at whatever he is calling you to? We just have to say, God, use me. Third thing, uh, the third type that I see in here uh, is what, what I want to call obedience and courage. Specifically in this passage, it says that David, he was a brave man and a warrior. 
that he spoke well and was fine looking and the Lord was with him. But really what I want to focus on is that word warrior. Uh, A great warrior is someone who I believe is obedient and courageous. I actually called a friend of mine um, who was a military leader for a long time. And these were the first two defining qualities that he said made a good soldier. Because David, uh, he was busy. He was a long way away. He wasn't even supposed to be playing the harp. And he said, yes, sir. When the calling came on his life, he was obedient and he was courageous. We must also be obedient to the calling on our life and ready to walk into any room that God calls us into. David, he wasn't called to be a servant in the king's court playing the lyre. He was called to be the king of the court. In fact, he had already been anointed as the future king over Israel. And still he said yes. And in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So what step is God asking you to take? But you keep saying no instead of being obedient and saying, yes, sir. Whatever you have for me, I will do for you. Before I get into this next point, I'm going to share with you about this blanket that I have at home. And if you were to come to my house right now and you were to look inside of our blanket closet, you would see this little blanket that we have. It doesn't fit me anymore. I don't ever use it. And you might even tell me that I need to throw it away. But if you told me that, I would look at you and very boldly say, no, that is my favorite blanket I have ever owned. Why? Because it was made for me by my Grammy right before she passed away. She tied every knot. She made every cut. She sewed my name into the end, and she did it all out of love while praying for me. And because I know that, that blanket means more to me than anything else. Look, this is what happens when God creates who you are. He creates you with love, and every part of you, every fiber of you is knit together with purpose from God. And even when Samuel showed up uh, to anoint the next king over Israel in the house of Jesse. All of Jesse's sons were lined up, and the one person that was forgotten, you guessed it, it was David. And they went out into the field, and they grabbed David, and they brought him back, because God will not allow someone that he loves and has crafted with a specific purpose to be passed up. God wants you to be used by him. He's got a plan for you. And so back to this Last point, this point number four, I think that the last type of person that God uses is a confident person. Back to the scripture when it says that he was a brave man and a warrior, that he speaks well and is a fine looking man. I think that when we read this part, this is the part of the scripture that you and I might discount and say, you know what, I don't really have any control over speaking well or being fine looking. That's, that's not really on me. However, many polls have been done that the most attractive quality of someone to someone else is their confidence. Them being confident in who they are, not looks, not money, not fame, confidence. And there is nowhere that you and I see this to be more true than in Isaiah 53, 
when in verse 2 it describes the kind of confidence that Jesus was going to have. And it says that he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire. But what did Jesus have? He had confidence in God. He had confidence that God was going to do something through him, that he who began a good work would be faithful to complete it. We have to have confidence in the place and in the providence of our God. Look at Jesus. Even when everything seemed to be going wrong, God was ultimately accomplishing the greatest thing that the world has ever seen. And that through the unjust death of Jesus, the whole world could be justified if only you and I believe. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. So many people have a fear of man. But you and I as Christians, we have access to more confidence than anyone else. Why? Because just like that blanket that my Grammy made, every fiber and every piece of us was crafted by God to do His will for our life. And you cannot be overlooked by Him. God always accomplishes what He sets out to do. He's never failed and He never will, and then He will not start with you. And if you cannot get that confidence, then you cannot walk towards the giants that God wants to slay through you. Many people, this is what I'll close with, many people, they hear what uh, Saul's attendants said about David, and they think, of course people thought this about David. He killed Goliath. I want you to look at me right now, wherever you're at. This all happened, every bit of this story, before David ever went into the Valley of Elah to face Goliath. He had confidence. He was known as a man of confidence before he ever faced a giant in his life. Why did he have confidence? Because he had the spirit of the living God upon him. And he understood better than anyone the power of his God. I think it was this confidence that enabled David to walk into his giant to Goliath with a confidence that God was going to be able to overpower him. Listen to the confidence in the words of David. I'm going to read this section of scripture to you. You don't have to follow along with me, but just listen to the way that David talks to the giants in his life. When he says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I think that long before David was called into Saul's court, he decided that he was going to speak a different way. He decided that he was going to have a different kind of confidence. And like I said at the beginning, God doesn't need a lot to do a lot. When David walked down into the Valley of Eli, 
or into the valley of Elah, all David had was five stones, and all God needed to use was one. No matter what you have in your life, God can use what he has gifted you with. And we have a lot of people right now telling us that we need to be really careful. Be careful. Don't make a mistake. Be careful what you say. Don't take a stance on this. But what if instead, you and I as Christians, we read the word, we asked for guidance, and when we heard from God, then we said, I'm going to do it. We decided to rush in to the enemy because of the confidence, not in who we are, but in who our God is. And that's what I want to give some of you an opportunity to do right now. So no matter where you're at, unless you're driving, if you would, please bow your heads. Let's have a moment with God. Look, I think the reality is that there are some days where I feel like I'm probably being the type of person that God wants to use. And I also know that there are a lot of days where I make a mistake and I'm not the type of person that God wants to use. And I, I have to ask for forgiveness. And no matter where you may feel like you are right now, even if you felt like you haven't been the type of person that God wants to use for many years, what I want you to believe right now is that God crafted you specifically for such a time as this, that he has a plan for you. And all it takes is a moment for you to say, you know what, God, I'm ready to be the type of person. I'm ready to turn around. I'm ready to repent and move towards you. And if that's you, where you're at, I just want you to admit that to God right now. I'm going to say a prayer over you here in just a second. And I just want you to get honest with God. Don't try to run. Don't try to hide from the things that you've messed up in. But walk into this moment fully confident in who your God is and that he is enough. Father, I thank you for every person at the sound of my voice right now. Lord, I know that we have all made mistakes. None of us are perfect. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But Father, I also thank you for your son, Jesus, that he was able to come in and he was able to confidently walk this earth knowing what was going to happen at the end, knowing that the cross was coming, but also knowing that forgiveness and grace was coming. And even in a few minutes when we take communion together and we remember that sacrifice, Lord, I pray that right now, anyone who feels like they uh, may be devalued, may feel like they cannot be the type of person that God wants to use, Father, that you would remind them even now that you knit them together in their mother's womb. That, Father, that they can turn towards you at any point in their life and they can say, you know what, God, I'm living for you. Father, I pray that you would take away any shame that is living inside of people and that you would replace it with the goodness of who your son is. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that your blood was enough. And we're sorry for any time we have ever grieved you. Or we turn from those ways and we turn towards your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, church. If you made a decision for Christ today, here's what we want to ask you to do. If you would, please text the word CONNECT to 88000. There are pastors all around this state that really want to reach out to you and help you take the best next steps. If it's finding a connect class for you at one of our campuses, figuring out a way for you to get plugged in to the body of Christ. We'd love to know that you made that decision today. Again, text the word connect to 88,000. What we're going to do now, though, if you don't mind, go and grab 
some communion elements in your house, whatever you can find, uh, a little bit of juice and a little bit of bread, and my dad is going to lead us as we take communion together. Okay, like Hunter said, we're going to do communion together. And, you know, I love to think about communion. But what I like to think about the most is, is about Jesus. And I want you to think about something for a second. Judgment Day is going to be something that we all face. Being in the presence of God, we really want to be prepared for this. It's going to be glorious to be in heaven. Judgment Day, you want it to be a good day. But here's what I know for sure. Uh, he is going to ask, do we know his son? Of course, they're going to have records of our decisions for Christ. And then what do we do with his name? But I just want to be clear for a second as we think about communion. You don't want to be speaking that day to heaven, to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be speaking in the first person. Well, I receive the Lord and I understand apologetics and I understand divinity or I serve the Lord all the days of my life. No, I think you're going to want to talk about Jesus. Someone brought this to my attention recently about the thief on the cross. I mean, he was cursing Jesus. And the very next second, he was building a relationship with Jesus. When you get to heaven, if you find that thief on the cross and you were to ask him, how did you get in? Did you understand doctrine? Did you understand salvation? What did you do to earn this? He's gonna say, the only thing I know is the guy on the center cross invited me. And I think it's gotta come down to that point. Like it's just, Jesus did it. And when we take communion, that's what we should remember. It was the night, interesting enough, that he was betrayed, that he said, let's take communion. And he spoke to us in 1 Corinthians that we should always do it in remembrance of him, not of ourselves and what we have done. I remember some of the good things that I've done. I remember a lot of bad things that I've done. But what motivates my walk with God is remembering what Jesus did for me. It's all about our Savior on that center cross. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took the elements, the bread. If you would take those elements right now and put them in your hand, a cracker, bread of any kind. And he said, this is my body. And when you eat of it, please do it while you remember me. And then they ate the bread. And then afterwards, he held up a cup and he said, this is my new covenant and this is the blood, this is the grace. We all need this, right? Right there in your home, right there in your soul, right there at work, wherever you may be or wherever tension might be, we need the grace. You can't really worship effectively without grace. And you certainly won't seek him in prayer. So he said, so when you drink this, like reestablish faith toward my grace and remember this. And they drank together. Thank you, Lord, for all of those at the sound of my voice. But Lord, what we really hope is that they're hearing your voice 
so they can come to you. We remember and we're thankful for every move you made to be in relationship with us. We don't deserve it, but we accept it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, listen, uh, do me a favor. If you got something out of this message today, this online experience, tag a friend through Facebook, send the YouTube link, 
to them. Uh, we would love for you to be able to send this to somebody who you feel like needs it. I know that whenever God speaks to me or shows me something through scripture or an encouraging word or, or music, it's usually not just for me, it's for somebody else that I have influence with or friendship with as well. So do that and I really do believe it's gonna encourage them. And as always as well, I just wanna thank you so much for giving, uh, for honoring God in that way. Uh, because of you, we're, we're able to help out a lot of needs across the state. We just had National Serve Day where hundreds, even thousands of churches across the country participated in this. And we got to do that as well, where all across the state, we helped out with other communities and fire departments and police stations and schools. And because that you give, we were able to help meet some needs and actually really share the gospel. We got to help be the Great Commission, making disciples, getting them plugged in the church. And so if you want to continue to give, or maybe give for the first time. There's some ways that you can do that right here on the screen. So again, thank you so much for doing that. And we love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Have a great week.